Jason and he's Rich. This is Remastered, the show where we ramble for a while and then try to say that it was about some sort of topic. And, um, hey Rich, did you hear that I bought a new cell phone? I did, I'm very excited about it. I know, I know, so am I. This is a, a huge step, you don't understand, because I've been living in the, uh, the, the old era, the dinosaur era, the phone first era, and I'm finally moving up to a smartphone. This is amazing. You, that brings you just in line with my mum. That's it's great work. So what you're saying is that I'm like a 53 year old woman. She's 57. So. Oh, it was a good guess. Yeah. But uh, I've got a phone now that can make phone calls and do text messaging, Google Plus, Facebook, Twitter, email, web browsing, streaming audio, streaming video, GPS. I can buy books and download them and read them right on the phone. I can upload and organize all my photos of Ryland, which be honest you've got to be getting sick of that already i wasn't going to say anything but you know. <laughs> there's just a, a couple of photos that i've taken of her uh it's like the pad you know in star trek the next generation yeah the future is here it's now richer or it was here five years ago you're preaching to the it. choir i am i am the choir <laughs> and you're preaching to me i know this it's wonderful isn't it this internet thing is pretty damned amazing so uh, has it arrived? You it's, it's it's officially arrived because I have arrived in it. Right. But it wasn't always this way. Uh, we were talking offline earlier this week about what it was like before the internet wandered along into our lives. We were indeed. That was a cold and dark and lonely time, Rich. It was. It was horrible. <laughs> it's funny to say that, but. It, there was kind of this is something that we actually both agreed on, I think, unless I misread you totally. But there, there was kind of like this weird freedom in it. Yeah, it it actually wasn't horrible because you didn't know. The the it wasn't that we didn't have internet. It was that no one had internet. There was no internet, so you didn't feel bad that you didn't have it. You it, didn't even know that you were missing anything. It was very much it, one of those ostrich head in the sand kind of deals. Exactly. So no, it wasn't a dark, horrible time with everybody moping around, wondering what all these things were they could look up, and if only there was a place they could find information and all sorts of things like that. It was fine. We, it was we, just a, a vastly different kind of social landscape. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go back to it, but, you know, I wouldn't want to go back to the last version of my operating system, so going back ten years is just ludicrous. I, I do kind of miss going outside. I don't. But then again, maybe that's just like, you know, like we're saying, if you've never had it, you don't miss it. So that, that's I've often is. joked to Lisa that if we were to start a moon colony, I would be the first to volunteer to go up there and live in the tunnels, you know, and never have fresh air again. That'd be fine with me as long as there was air conditioning. That I'd be, I'd be with you. It would be me and you in tunnels on the moon. But uh, th there was that weird time where you would go outside and you would play and you would play basketball and you would talk with other people face to face. Yeah, yeah, I, I I remember it, kind of. It, it's as if it was kind of a film I saw once. That's that's kind of how the memories go. All nice um, and sepia-toned with some film grain over it. A little bit, yeah. Um, maybe maybe like Freebird playing in the background. <laughs> I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> but, but something like that, it's just hazy mem outside. And... That sort of thing. I, you know, what? I, I, I remember having a much closer relationship with the floor. Right. That now, 
I, I sit generally in chairs, on sofas, couches, whatever. I occasionally sit on the living room floor. But I remember much younger, you'd sit on grass and think nothing, nothing of sitting on the pavement or on the curb and that sort of thing. You'd much more contact with the floor, comfortably. And now being on the floor, is, it's a sign of falling or a bad thing. It's not only where you actually were physically located, it's where you would look, too, because there was a lot of stuff going on on the floor. You would you know, get down there and play around and wrestle and have fun like that. Now with my screen, my screen is on my lap. I'm never looking down. I'm looking straight ahead. I've got that that weird computer muscle on the back of my neck that's like, if if I were Arnold Schwarzenegger, that muscle would be the same exact size. That's how developed it is on the back of my neck. Yeah, I think I have that one. I hope that's what it is. There's some sort of growth there. Uh, yeah. You, you know, I'm looking at the chat room here uh, at simplysyndicated.com. I'm seeing Scott Redman in there. This is none of this is going to be news to Scott Redman. No, he he, he knows, knows exactly. Yeah. He he's kind of you know in our age range. He's gone through it. But there's there's other people in the chat room here listening to us as we're, we're recording this, talking about how you know they've they haven't been around this long. They've always grown up with data they've always had this instantaneous access and it really blows my mind because my daughter is going to do the same thing Ryland's never going to know a life without instant access to the answer to any question she wants to ask she she's going to know things again that we can't conceive of things that are just incredible and and almost magical it's it's a sobering thought it really is can you imagine let's say Eight-year-old Rich. Yeah. There were a lot of things at eight years old that I didn't know, especially like school bus talk. Like your your older friends, your sixth-grade friends start talking about, you know, sex stuff, and you're like, I don't fucking know what that is. Uh, if you had had the internet at that time, you could have looked it up. You could have, you know, like all that stuff, all that feeling lost that you did, all that waiting around trying to learn what stuff is and kind of stumbling into it, you could have skipped right over that with the internet. That's true, but... Do you know, I don't remember having a as great... I, I actually think that having access to the information that we've got now has created a greater curiosity in me to find stuff out. I, I think when I was, when I was little, you, you couldn't find stuff out. And so the, the thought to do it never occurred. Do you find yourself uh, wiki surfing? I do now, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that's the biggest now... problem with wikipedia you open any article that you're interested in and then you just start clicking on links and before you know it you're like how the fuck did i get on uh i'm trying to think of something obscure nothing's coming to mind because i'm tired okay <laughs> how I... did i get on beekman's world i don't know <laughs> this this obscure page of the internet how did i stumble upon this by stumbling through wikipedia yeah i do that now and I actually, more than Wikipedia, I get lost on IMDb, clicking on names and films and names and films. There was a time, though, and it was when I was in college, where IMDb came out. And it was such a great tool. Do you remember that? How all of a sudden it was there and you were like, oh, finally I can figure out that movie that I've been trying to find the name of for the last 10 years? Yeah. It, it, it was just such a, an unbelievable thing to have happen. And IMDb, that, yeah, that was a very early website. Uh, it, when when the contents of Google technically came in a book, as well. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. I've got jotted down on my little note list here to talk about how people used to have encyclopedias in their houses. Oh, we we had a set. I mean, the the, the concept of it chills me now. It it really does. It's it's actually a horrible thought that you have a set of books that go on. I feel like I should explain what a set of encyclopedia is to to people. Okay, so you'd have a series of books on a on a modest set i would say perhaps one book for each letter of the alphabet but there were obviously you could spend some money or or lots of money on an incredible set of encyclopedia depending on your budget but i i would imagine that most houses had sort of a one book per letter kind of thing and in the each... standard was usually like encyclopedia britannica yeah or you know, one of those mid-range ones that you could find in any school. And these were um, expensive things, weren't they? I mean, now I think about it, not all my friends had a set of encyclopedia in the house. Well, there were salesmen who made their entire living going door-to-door selling these book sets. And it was enough to, to keep them in food. I- exactly. I mean, the ones we had were... We actually had two sets, neither of which were bought by my parents. There was the one set that were actually the the set my dad got as a child. So just think about this for a second. When when you're looking at, gosh, when we we won a gold medal earlier in the Olympics, Alison went to the Wikipedia page of that athlete for something to find out where he was from. Uh, as a brief aside, they've worked out that if Yorkshire, the county we're in right now, was its own country, we'd be 10th in the medal table. So we're all pleased about that quite locally. So she went to look where this particular athlete was from. And uh, it already had his gold medal win from a, a few minutes ago on his Wikipedia page. And yet when I was at school, I was getting information on certain topics from a set of books that was printed when my father was a child. You could open it up and find information about countries that hadn't existed for 20, 25, 30 years. Exactly. It, it was incredible. But, and, and that was what you had. It, that wasn't seen as a bad thing because the fact you even had that book was a special thing. Which is why there's that infamous study back in 2005 that said that Wikipedia, and this has probably changed significantly over the course of the last few years as Wikipedia has grown, but it said that Wikipedia is about as good a source of accurate information as Britannica, saying that when they did a comparison line for line of the articles, there were 2.92 mistakes per article for Britannica and 3.86 for Wikipedia. Right. And so... Because there, the, there was that huge argument about, well, we can't use Wikipedia. That's not an accurate source of information. Remember that? Was that oh, going yeah. on when you were in college? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. I I wasn't I I hope it's changed now but when even when I was at university sort of 10 years ago uh you still then could not use an internet source as a viable source for information in a piece of work. Yeah, props would just scoff at them. They didn't consider yeah. them to be reliable at all. Cuz anybody could put that out. Exactly. You you have to have a special license in accuracy to release a printed book. Uh so they are infallible. Or so college professors of the early 2000s still believed. Nevertheless, I still copied all of my essays off the internet. But that's why I don't have a degree. So, you know, make of that what you will. 
so that was how it used to be. I was, I was trying to think over how the internet came to to be in our lives, and how. Well, do you just... remember the? Do you remember the very first time that you stumbled on it? I I, I did. Um, it, it was in the library at school, and it was. It just happened to be. I I remember it kind of. There was a, a computer. So I'm just trying to remember. In the library, they had the sort of the reception checkout, whatever. You where you tell the person that you're taking those books, that bit of the library, and just by that there was a computer, which was unusual because it wasn't part of the the main computer network. It wasn't in the room just off the library, which was a computer room. It was just there, and sat using it this particular day was this kid I knew, uh, who lived just round the corner from my house. He, I used to go to school with him. Um, and he's just sat looking at this page of text with some of it was in blue. And I'm like, what's that? It's, oh, it's the internet. What's the, <laughs> what's the internet? It's just pages of things you can look at. All right. And, and just so like, what sort of things are there? Well, there's this, there's apparently this one website where you can dissect a frog with the mouse. By the way, I've never seen that to this day. I, apparently that was something. And uh, just lots of other stuff. And I just sort of dismissed it. And then it started appearing in other places, this internet thing. It was quite a weird creeping transition. It just suddenly was kind of there and ignorable. And then it got less and less so. My experience was pretty much the same it, it was a school library as well where i first got into the web proper i mean I, i'm guessing that uh like me you probably missed usenet and bbs and all that stuff yeah i didn't use anything like that okay yeah the same thing but but i remember it was years and years before uh that even that i saw my first modem and that uh the, the concept of a modem was brought up uh, did you uh, not get the concept of the modem come along when you first saw war games <laughs> well, yeah, I got that, I guess, kind of, but I didn't really understand what they were doing. I didn't understand that it was anything more than just something to make a phone call. See, I, I do remember being aware of them, um, not just through that, but just through, you know, I we always had a computer in the house. One of my earliest memories is going to buy a computer with my dad and it not being our first computer, you know. Um and so I, w I was familiar with what a modem was, but I remember the very basic explanation that you would give to an almost infant at that age of what does that do? It lets your computer talk to other computers. Mm -hmm. and, and you think, well, I don't know anyone else with another computer. That is a useless thing or something for people who are not me. And it, I, I do remember being a bit confused about that when I was younger. Uh, you know, 11, 12 years old, trying to figure out why I would care if two computers were talking. Yeah, it, that as a concept, it had never been done. You didn't, why would you want to do it? it it's, it's just a, a strange thing. We didn't, you don't realize that that, well, that other computer could be a, like a web server somewhere. Well, I suppose at that point, no one else had realized that either. No, because it wasn't until what, like... Uh, I'm looking up now. <laughs> I'm going to say... I seem to remember Net Netscape Navigator being 94. Was it 94 or 95? Let's see. Um, there had to have been a browser before that. It's embarrassing, by the way, how long we used Netscape Navigator. I, I never used it. It was always um, 
Internet Explorer from the beginning. Um, First web browser in 1990. Yeah, something like that. It was called World Wide Web with no spaces, later renamed Nexus. Uh, 1993, Mark Anderson released Mosaic. It was later rebranded in 1994 as Netscape Navigator. Right, so that would have been around when I saw that computer in the library because I remember that had Mosaic browser on it. Microsoft responded with its Internet Explorer in 1995. Yeah. Now we first... I'm just trying to think when we first got the Internet at home would have been... Now then... 97, 96, 90, no, 90, yeah, 97, summer 97. See, it's arguable when we would have gotten the internet in my house, because in 96, we had a Windows 95 machine, but we used AOL. I mean, right out of the box for a year, we were on that stupid AOL proprietary browser, and I'm not sure that you can call that the internet. It was AOL, this, again, I, I feel the need to explain. Maybe maybe this is new enough as a thing. The, the idea that they had all the internet, and it, it, it kind of worked in, in 1995, that they had all the bits of the internet that you probably wanted to look at. Instead uh, of giving you access to everything, AOL would just give you a screen with buttons on it that would only go to the sites. There was no address bar, really. It was... Click here if you want to see the entertainment articles that we've prepackaged for you. Yeah, stuff like that. They they had keywords as well, didn't they? Which was kind of the a just the AOL equivalent of a, a URL or hashtags, kind of. Yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, I never really used it, and by the time I saw someone else using it, they'd grown up to kind of let you go to whatever web page you wanted to, albeit using their shitty little browser. Now, the concept of a search engine did come along pretty quickly on. I mean, without without the whole AOL keyword thing, the Google-esque search engine came along. Do you remember using AltaVista? I do. That was the best one. That was like the Pepsi to the rest of the Coke. Do you like the Pepsi one, don't you? you like, yeah. You're the liking of the slight underdog kind of guy. Right. Yeah. No, I re- we were. I remember starting off using Yahoo when Yahoo was a search engine, um, and I do remember the day it was suddenly Yahoo with Google search. Yes, I remember that as well. And before that, it was Yahoo was kind of like the default one that libraries and other public spaces, internet cafes, would go to. So much so that when you ask who's still using Yahoo, my dad. <laughs> my that. boss has a yahoo yeah. account for yeah. that reason for that yeah. reason when i go to this day right now his homepage on his browser is yahoo do you remember when yahoo stock was the next big thing um yeah it was all these things big tech bubble big oh this is gonna be so much money and oh no it wasn't for for my latest information on that see facebook stock uh Similar sort of thing, but on a massive scale. But as as we said, though, the internet used to... Co- you could get it in a book. 
and they they would sell these books i, I don't know kind of at news agents magazine places and it was yeah. like a phone book but, i know exactly where you're going this but, is so funny but it literally had every web page listed in a book it was like the yellow pages for the internet exactly just try and conceive of what such a book would look like were one to attempt to publish it today that that's it would you'd have to get it on several trucks i would imagine um because oh god just to think that there were that many websites at one point that you could just write them all down in a book here's the internet here's everything you need to know it's all in there and I, did you, do you remember the thing was that unless you knew it was there, you were probably never going to find it in the early days? Yeah, because there wasn't really a, if you want to put it in kind of like um, like roadmap kind of terms, there, there weren't street signs, there weren't highway signs labeling how to get from point A to point B. That, that hadn't really come along yet and evolved. There were, it was just... Um, if you know where Albuquerque is, then you can go to Albuquerque. If you've never been to Albuquerque before, then good luck finding it. See you later, sucker. And it's even knowing that Albuquerque is a place that exists. I mean, when, yeah. you, when you think of how you find things on the internet now, and I, I'm not just talking about searching, but just how you encounter things. How did you find simplysyndicated.com? Because in 1995, unless you sat at a browser and typed in simplysyndicated.com, you weren't going to find it. There were no other things that used the internet as part of what they did. You know, you've got iTunes on your computer now, and you can go to the iTunes store, which will give you a listing of podcasts, which will in turn take you to simplysyndicated.com, because it's using the internet. It's not a web browser as such, but it's using the internet. There was nothing like that then. The internet existed entirely on the browser. Oh, yeah, we don't want anyone's angry emails about, that's not the internet, that's the World Wide Web. <laughs> we know that there's oh, distinctions yeah, for, between them. We're just... Yeah. We are yeah. both remarkably intelligent people and are aware of this, so... Well, don't feel... you are. You are, too. You've, no. uh, you are. You are. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I still... Just that blows my mind that we went through that. And I think that we only got through that because it was, again, it was kind of okay because nothing better existed or had ever existed. It, it was just not there. So whatever you've got was amazing. I, I suppose that's th this age of technology, uh, te technological advancement that we've lived through for the last 20 years. The great thing about it is that everything's always brilliant. The next thing's brilliant, because it's better than what you've got. And it's always better, so everything's always brilliant. And that's quite a positive thing to live through, to be honest. Scott Redmond's talking about uh, computer porn in the chat room. Computer he's, porn. Yeah, he's, look at all those fun numbers and acronyms he's throwing out there. I love this stuff. He's talking about his computer that was a 486SX. I had one of those. Uh, it had four megs of RAM. Oh, I remember those days. That was terrible. 40 megabyte hard drive running DOS 6.22. Uh, he was talking a little bit earlier about the 14.4 modems and the 28.8 modems, yeah. which is just hilarious. Uh, my first modem that I saw, I, I can remember it clearly. Do you know why? Why? Because I saw it on December 17th, 1989. What was December 17th, 1989? I was at a party. Oh, right. 
because it was the night that The Simpsons debuted on Fox. Oh, right. <laughs> so a whole bunch of people uh, got together, my parents and their friends. Um, and, oh gosh, I, I, I'm going to make fun of my parents here. I love them dearly. You understand that. But you know that my dad was a preacher for many, many years. Yeah. And uh, it was all church people getting together to watch The Simpsons to see what the fuss was about and formulate their war plan against it. You know about all that, right? I know that there was a lot of opposition to The Simpsons at first. Yeah, the the evangelical movement did not like The Simpsons, um, which is hilarious looking back at it because it's so family friendly. I I remember hearing uh, Harry Shearer talk about by being Ned Flanders on The Simpsons that the the religious enthusiasts, <laughs> I'll call them. <laughs> have branded him both the worst thing and the best thing ever to happen to religion on two separate occasions. Well, there exists a Church of Flanders. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a thing. That, that that's, that's, a, that's not a good thing, though. That, that I don't think is a good... That, that's a place for poorly people. <laughs> I, I think... I, anyway, this, this night, this yeah. uh, Simpsons party, Tom Hodge's basement, <coughs> he was playing this game, I later learned that this game was called Sim City. Oh yes, and uh, he had his acoustic coupling modem hooked up to it. You remember those suckers? So would this be the one where you literally sit the the receiver of the phone? Yeah, you're on top of the phone. thing. Your landline phone, exactly. Your your analog phone, the kind with the dial. Yeah. You would take the phone off the hook, <laughs> stick it on the rubber mat on top of the modem. You would have to secure it in like these. These cups. It was like a bra for a phone yep. to hold it still. And then you would, uh, you know, you would feed the information. The, the computer would play those tones, those famous, you know, that that modem tone that everybody knows from our generation. Yeah. Oh, God, young kids don't know that, do they? I was just thinking that. That upsets me that they don't know that sound. It wasn't just the modem sound. I mean, if you went back and got a Commodore 64 cassette and played it in a stereo, that's what is on there. Is that noise? Uh, but it would play into the phone receiver. It would go over the phone yeah. lines, and that's how you would use it. Exactly. Incredible. But that's how so it the, worked. The first thing that Tom did was to prank call a guy in Japan. Amazing. And all we could do was listen to him. We couldn't. It was not two-way communication. That's not how it worked at the time. <laughs> and which could effectively have been achieved by just using the phone. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was that was as much as I knew about the internet, which it, it kind of wasn't even that. It was really just digital phone service, really. Yeah. But uh, that that was as much as I knew until, like you were saying, '94, uh, I think, I would have been my freshman year of high school. See, that came with its own problems. Because let let me ask you this, because I think maybe we have a little skewed view of this over here. The the phone in your house when you were growing up. Was there just the phone, or were there several phones? Um, well, I mean, for a long time, it was just the phone. I, I never had my own phone. There was a thing in popular media where the kids would each have their own phone Th line. This, with is phone what numbers. I'm, this is where I get it from. That if, if what we see of your life on television is true, then every American kid has a phone line in their room. No, I, I never had that. And for the reason that a lot of young kids don't have cell phones these days, which is 
especially back then, there were no controls over how much you could use your phone line. And there were no, it wasn't like prepaid. There was no limit where it would shut off if you talked. Yeah. So every sitcom that you would ever watch in the 80s had this, (laughs) there would be one episode where the teenage daughter would talk on the phone to her boyfriend too much. And then the parents would get a $300 bill and they would all freak out. The daughter would have to get a job washing dishes to pay for her phone bill. And that's how you would learn the very important lesson about responsibility in that episode. I, I've seen those episodes. Every sitcom had them. Yeah, absolutely. No, in my house, that wasn't a thing. If you wanted to use the phone, first of all, when I was a kid, what the hell would you use a phone for? Exactly. I rarely used the phone. Rarely. But you used the family phone. Yeah. Now, ours was in the living room. Um, and so the, the, maybe this was why I never used the phone much. Having a conversation on the phone was never a private thing to do. We, I couldn't even go out in the hall. A lot of houses had their, their phone sort of like the, the downstairs hallway, that sort of thing. So you could sit on the stairs maybe and have a conversation. You couldn't do that in my house growing up. You had to sit in the living room, and there was mum and there was dad. And you don't want to sit and talk to your friends and have a conversation with your friends, especially as a teenager or a young teenager the, in front of your parents. We had the rotary corded phone for a long, long time before that, that cordless phone finally came along, and you could get some modicum of privacy. Yeah, the cordless phone was just an incredible revolution. I, I remember getting our first cordless phone, and, and it just being unbelievable that someone could have a, a phone conversation in a room other than the living room. It, it, it was just unheard of. The, these are the little things that I think kids now will never get to appreciate uh, the fact that you can have a conversation in any room of your house that you want on the phone. Just, it's really basic stuff like that. Well, through the entire process, you remember that, that transition period where you were getting your own phone or getting the cordless phone, or God forbid, getting into cell phones. There was this whole thing where there were problems with the technology, like, uh, I can't remember what frequency it was that phones used to run on the cordless ones. Was it like 2,000 or 3,000? But it was the same frequency that a lot of computer chips used, a lot of CPUs, and you couldn't hold your phone or you couldn't use your phone phone too close to your tower. I've had problems like that with uh, mobile phones. And uh, actually, no, I've had that problem with house with landlines as well. The, if uh, I, I had a, a cordless keyboard and mouse kit, and if I had my cell phone on the desk, my keyboard and mouse would pretty much stop working. See, we haven't had those problems here in a long time because the FCC got, got them all sorted very quickly. Uh, you know, they put out regulations about what different devices could and couldn't use as far as bandwidth and spectrum and frequency and all that sort of stuff. So that went away very quickly. But there was a period where that was a, a big problem. The other one that came along was, uh, you know, trying to use your dial-up service to be on the internet for anything more than 15 minutes before your parents would come in and start screaming? Oh, the, now, the, you want to talk about billing of the internet because it used to cost an incredible... <laughs> right, okay, so... As I remember it, we went through quite a nice progression here. Um, we, when, when it first started, you would first pay a membership to your ISP, AOL, CompuServe, whoever. And I seem to remember that being sort of fourteen, fifteen pounds a month. Yeah, here. that's about right. That it sort was of thing. Fifteen bucks a yeah. month here for, yeah. But don't forget, 
because you, you even tried to forget then, it doesn't matter that you're paying AOL £15 a month because you've then got to put that phone on. And that phone call, even though... It, and you, you had to be reminded, it is still a phone call. And that's going to cost you money for every minute that you're on it, just like a phone call. And Which, you watch Napoleon Dynamite, and you wonder how many kids are getting that joke about, is Grandma still paying by the minute? Yeah. He's been on the internet too long. Yeah. Uh, and that's what it used to be like. I used to get shouted at, get off the internet. For many, many years, until eventually I went to college, and then it was Craig Bevan's turn to shout at me to get off the internet for the same it, reason. It wasn't only the cost, though. It was that your parents were waiting for a phone call. Exactly. Only to find out an hour later that you'd been online. And then they'd go ballistic. Did I miss that phone call? Yeah. that it, it used your house's phone line. We moved from that to a sort of, what was it? Then they brought out penny a minute. So call, you get the special, I think it was an 0800 number here. And you, you could then, it was only a penny a minute. And we thought, well, that's it. That's a six, 60 pence an hour. That's all the internet we can use. Incredible. So that was great. Then they went to it being, I think it was unmetered access from six till midnight. Or something like that. So it, the phone call would be free from six till midnight. Uh, and then it went to just a monthly fee. And then broadband was invented. That was it. So it, it used to cost a fortune. It was prohibitively expensive. On the, offset, uh, uh, on the outset. That was why it took us a, a few years to get it. Because I had to convince my mum that what she needed to do. Was effectively lose her phone line. And pay thirty pounds a month for me to use this thing she didn't understand. And okay, I'm doing math, and this is terrifying. But I thought a penny a minute sounded like a really good rate until I started figuring out what it actually costs now. Because I'm figuring I pay thirty nine ninety nine a month. Yeah. For my cable internet, which we can talk a little bit about the difference between cable and dial up, which is hilarious. But you figure thirty nine ninety nine divided by thirty days in a month divided by twenty four hours a day divided by sixty minutes in an, in an hour, I'm getting point zero 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 nine cents a minute. And you use it twenty four hours a day, one way hours. or another. One way or another. I am betting, like me, you will have. There'll be at least one device in your house that is probably in some way connected to the internet. All the time. You've got iTunes downloading things constantly. You've got uh, various programs that are perhaps peer-to-peer -peer and perhaps legal and perhaps not legal running. <laughs> you have uh, game servers. A lot of people do. I had a Minecraft server, server running for, uh, gosh, the better part of a year. So, yeah, there's always some sort of data going in and out. But even down to things like, yeah, you've got a games console, you might have... My Blu-ray player is plugged into the internet. Yeah, mine as well. I, 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 if, uh, Skybox is plugged into the internet, and that's always on. And it's mm -hmm. always... It says standby. Note how things... You'll remember this. When things turned off. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, we were arguing <laughs> about that in our house a little while ago, because Lisa has this thing where she insists on unplugging regular appliances like the toaster oh right okay 
because she doesn't want them using power all the time. And we argued about it. I said, no, 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 it's not using power all the time. Our toaster is on standby all the time. It's, yeah. Things used to turn off. They had an actual off switch. And so you could turn them off. And now not so much anymore. Things going to standby. Uh, and it, it is actually, last I heard, you could actually save about 10% on your annual electricity bill by unplugging your TV at night and stuff like that. But it's That's a pain. That's crazy. You'd, you'd have to, to reprogram it every morning. You've got to turn it on again. And yeah, can't be bothered with it. All the plugs are hidden behind it. I'm not doing that. It's worth 10% of our annual electricity bill for the convenience. There's a lovely Western attitude to living in the on the planet Earth, isn't it? I'll just pay more money and burn the electricity. It saves me having to do something. That's fine. Yes, we care about Mother Earth in as much as it doesn't inconvenience us. I'm a white guy in the West, aren't I? My God. Oh. It's a pretty goddamn good time to be an American rich. It is. Get used to it. It's going to all finish badly. (laughs) I just hope we get the good bit at the end. Oh, dear. I think we will. Uh, anyway, where were we? The internet. Um, we got to modems. Do you remember getting broadband? Um, it, kind of backwardly, because I had dial-up right until the time I went to college. So it was a direct, direct transition from dial-up to T1, which, let me tell you, that blows you away. It, it's just another world. It, it, it changes everything. So much. Do you remember being on dial-up, what kind of download speeds you would get? Oh, yeah. Um, Right, let me think. Now, the best way to gauge that sort of thing used to be Napster. We should should briefly talk about Napster. I remember being told... Even predating Napster, I I would go and download games. Like, do you remember Jazz Jackrabbit? Did you ever play that one? I think I do remember that, actually. Jazz Jackrabbit was a shitty-ass knockoff of Sonic the Hedgehog. But for the PC platform. Only. Yes, yes, I remember this. And I remember this crystal clearly. The game was only uh, four megs, four megabytes, megabytes. And uh, at 2K a second, that takes an awful long time to download. It does indeed. You would have to use to get these download, uh, what were those called? The download aggregators or whatever, so that you could pause your download midway through. There get were, off the telephone line there, there and then were, pick up the download again later. Yeah, there were various ones, and you see, I didn't, I didn't start downloading software until a bit later. I think software started coming along for me around the Kazar period. It was Napster for me that started the downloading, uh, which was just exclusively music at the time. By the way, just as a test right now, while we were talking, streaming audio across uh, 5,000 miles while being on a chat room surfing the web and having Lisa watching HDTV upstairs, I downloaded four megabytes from Dropbox in three seconds. <laughs> Welcome to the future, sir. Hello. It's where we I'm... live now. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we, I started on Napster, uh, which was sort of you try and download a song and it might kind of take sort of half an hour for this four megabytes to come down, if you were lucky. Yeah, if you could get three or four other people with the same song at the same time. Yeah. Um, sort it out. And I seem to remember those coming down at sort of three, four kilobytes a second, something like that. 
That's about right. Yeah, I remember the very first MP3 I downloaded. Do you? I don't remember what it was now. My very, very first one was Hero of the Day by Metallica, which is hilarious in hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> seeing how Lars Ulrich hates all MP3 stuff. Um, but yeah, that took a good hour and a half to download. And it's... I mean, I'm looking here. Five and a half megs. See, I even remember when Napster, when the, the upgrade to Napster came out that let you resume downloads. That it it yeah. used to be the case, you're going to try and get this this one time, and if you don't get it, then you're not getting it this time. You have to start again. Now, if I'm using any kind of peer-to-peer -peer program or, uh, you know, anything like that at all, if I'm not getting four or five hundred K a second, I'm going to abandon that download. I'd certainly get angry with it. I I really would. See, you're actually catching me again in a good mood with, with internet because we had a man out again yesterday. That's what I saw on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. You uh, you seemed very pleased with yourself. He was here all day. Well, I mean, the biggest story is is that we had a guy out last week. It Basically, 10 meg dropped off our download speed. So I obviously got them on the on the Twitter, send a man out, please. And the man came out, and he farted a lot. Seriously, this dude stank. I, I thought that I was about to ask Alison if she thought there was a problem with the drains in her house, and then he left, and so did the smell. And he watched some Olympics on my TV, and that sort of thing. But he, he basically did sweeten fuck all else, and then <laughs> said, well, that's probably as fast as the line can go. And I'm like, it's not, because it was faster last week. Oh, what what does that mean? As fast as the line can oh, go? It's, <laughs> That's it's, a very non-scientific answer. It's it's all to do, you know. First, we we the way that BT Infinity works is fiber to the the cabinet. So there's a big exchange telephone exchange building, and then outside of that, there are small green cabinets that spread the signal throughout the area. But and, it goes fiber to the cabinet and then bottlenecks down to cable? Or? And from the cabinet to us is copper wire. Oh. Mm. Over telegraph poles. Or at least in an ideal world it would be copper wire. But Howarth has a mix of aluminium and copper wires. Oh, wow. And nice. apparently the aluminium, while being cheaper and being perfectly fine for phone calls, uh, causes so much uh, interference and problems when it comes to broadband internet. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. And basically, until the village loses its phone call capability, they aren't ever going to change that. Uh, you know, as the guy admitted, some of our phone network is there from the Second World War. And it works, yeah. so they're not going to spend thousands of pounds on changing it so you can have slightly quicker internet. That yeah. is crazy. It's not, it's not even slightly quicker, though. We're talking about a whole different conductivity speed that's... Yeah, aluminium, as you would say, is is not a acceptable substitute. It's it's not. It's really bad. Um, and so, by the way, I know I can't bring myself to do it, and it's it's wrong. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so that plays a factor. The length of the cable between you and the cabinet uh, plays a role. Apparently, although we're literally four hundred meters from the cabinet, there's sort of seven hundred or no, sorry, we're. 400 meters from the cabinet, there's uh, 1.5 kilometers of wire between us and the cabinet. So obviously it goes off around the village before it comes mm. to our house. So that plays a factor. And uh, also, yeah, so the distance and the quality of the wire. 
uh, what affects it. And he said, oh, this is as fast as it can go here. Like, but it's not. That's just bullshit, clearly. Go away. And then I, yeah. you know, so they got in touch. How was the visit? Like, awful. Okay, we'll send another man out because clearly the, that, that guy didn't know what he was talking about. So it's now, clearly been throttled somehow. Yeah, and so he spent the day with us uh, changing wires and plugging things in. And I've done it. I've just done a, a speed test while, again, doing this phone call and broadcasting it live. And I, we're getting 30.7 megabit down. Which I am very I was getting about. that until about uh, until about a month ago, and then I'm I'm in the same boat as you with my down speed. It's something happened, and we had a series of big big storms that came through, and there were all kinds of cable company trucks out trying to fix the damage that had done. And last I knew, their infrastructure was still really sagging because of it. They haven't gotten everything fixed. But ever since the day that I saw the cable company bucket truck out on the corner of my street. My uh, my down's been stuck at about fifteen. Yeah, ours came following a couple of out uh, you know outright service outages, mm-hmm. and and so it was. Cl- it's like clearly something has gone wrong. It went off, and when it came back on, it was ten megabits slower. Don't stand there and tell me that it's degradation of the copper line, because that means it's degraded ten megabit in a month. And so if that's true, then in another month there'll be no internet. So. What are you saying? Idiot. But the guy who came yesterday was very good. He was excellent. And Alison's convinced that they're all told as policy not to accept a cup of tea. Because they never do. She always that's, offers them tea. That's probably true. I know it's off subject, but uh, in, in my job day to day, I get a lot of people trying to offer me things too. And it's very difficult to say no to them. It's sensible though, because we, we were actually trying to poison this guy. So... <laughs> Lucky escape for him. Well, we're going to drug him, keep him in the cellar for a while. We'd let him go yeah. eventually, probably. <laughs> Where were we? So the internet speed worked. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about the the slow the downloading stuff, right? And we, and we've touched briefly on internet porn. I I wanted. Did we? I don't remember that. You mentioned it, didn't you? Oh, I was talking about how I was jokingly calling, uh, you know, all that old um, computer parlance that Scott was throwing around as computer porn. Oh, right. Oh, you that know, your kind 486 of... SXs, that sort of thing. Right. My mind went to actual internet porn. <laughs> that... do, do you look at that often? <laughs> From time to time. I've, I've often said I would love it if somebody could somehow do a graph that shows the amount of productivity in the world the day before internet streaming free pornography was invented and the day after it was invented and just see how the two stack up. Um, it used to, you used to get like these 10 megabit megabyte files that was sort of 10 seconds long. Maybe they'd be in real media format. Oh my God, you kids don't know what real media format is, do you? Good, it was the day. Oh, I'm just realizing this as well. Oh, talk about, oh. And you'd wait hours for this 10-second clip to download. And Okay, so it all boils down into, all video plays in what's called a codec. It just means that it's a, a formula, a mathematical formula, that a company has invented that produces an algorithm that allows you to decode whatever file you're looking at. So 
things like MP4 are very, very good at decoding small bits of information into large bits of information. Yeah. And everybody knows their MP4s, their MP3s, AVI files, that sort of thing. Uh, Real Media was one, though, it was a proprietary format started up by a company called Real, and they were trying to run their own Basically, they were trying to launch like a, a, t- a TV company online, right? They, they wanted to be the infrastructure, the 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 broadcast method. Um, right. They wanted to be the pipe that everything came through. Yeah. That, that media got filtered through, not not literally like the line that was coming to your house, but like the the channel that was online. There's there's actually not much of a comparable thing that ever happened anywhere else. It's, well, it's, it's kind of like the BBC, if the BBC made your TV. I, I think it's it's actually a bit bigger than that. It's almost as if they wanted... They, they wanted to be the technology that enabled the broadcast to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's almost as if, if it was a phone call, real media would be language. In, in, yeah. a, in a way. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, I get um, it. they they it, they weren't producing content. They were pro- pro- not. They weren't even providing like an infrastructure for other people to do it. Like you could get a, a a real media account and do it like you could on YouTube. Say it's not even that. It's as if they were creating the technology that YouTube would use to give you a live stream. And and so. Lots of media you found online would use real media video formats. Well, that's that's because real media actually did a really good job of compression. They would make a video very, very small in a time where it took a long time to download things. It was still awful, though. It was. Just there it, wasn't anything better. Yeah, uh, it was all unwatchable. It was it was horrible. I, I remember what you know in my early days of doing web coding and web design when I first started not even flash handled video and I, I don't mean didn't handle it well there was no functionality to put a video in flash or use video that that is definitely something that has come along since the the mass adoption of broadband the the use of video on the internet in any way shape or form because it just sucked before I mean, we on dial-up, you could barely get a decent quality pure audio stream reliably. In fact, being that this, this live show right now, this minute, is broadcasting at 128k BPS, there's no way you could have streamed this on a dial-up modem. I'd have to more than half the quality to make it something that could have streamed on a dial-up modem. Well, yeah, all that real media stuff was bit crunched to hell, too. I mean, the audio wasn't like you're getting right now. It was, what, probably like 32 kbps? If not lower. Something like that. Yeah, it, it yeah. was really, really, really slow. They, as, and also, as, you're not talking about HD video. You're talking about like 320 by 280. That would have been huge. Um, I, I actually think that that's a bit big. Because, um, it, it, I mean, don't forget, you're looking at having had monitor resolutions of sort of 640 by 480 and then moving up to 800 by 600 so a vid- oh yeah and I so about that. yeah a video in a window would have been sort of maybe a hundred and something pixels high at the most and it would play choppily and you couldn't sit and watch it and you certainly weren't going to make it full screen and watch it it, it 
it was terrible. Um, you know, and there's lots of people who, you know, there's a few documentaries about that. Uh, early web video. You ever heard, uh, what is it, Jason Calacanis, who has a podcast network now, he started out in that stuff in those oh, days. Really? Yeah, he was an early uh, sort of young presenter on a, on a show sort of thing. There's a documentary about it. Um, what is it? Is it We Live in Public? A very interesting thing. Guy who was thinking about crazy things far before the technology was there to do it. He could have done it now and it would have still gone wrong, but watch the documentary. It's very interesting. Okay, this is a very old document, and I think that it's from the original Real Media Player. 300 by 250 is what it's claiming. Right. That's for, uh, like, the old FLV format, rich media format. Got all these formats that just don't exist anymore. I I suppose for a while people had to make their own to make it work. Well, yeah, they were all cropping up because there wasn't a standard yet. They were all experimental, and everybody was hoping that the one that they concocted would be the one that got general adoption. Like, uh, there were SWF files. Um, a lot of them, too. Did you go through that phase where you would watch the Star Wars fan fan videos? No, I've never watched the Star Wars fan videos. There was a time in college where those were just all coming out, and... They were really neat because, I mean, it was before YouTube. There was no sense yet that you could make something that would go on the internet. But people had started, and they were doing it with Star Wars first. You know, they do, like, the lightsaber screen tests yeah. where they'd actually make the lightsaber effect on the screen and play around with it. That's where that Star Wars kid thing came from. Oh, I, 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 I have a close friend who <laughs> spent a great deal of time doing such a thing in his early days in filmmaking. But uh, a, lot of those, a lot of those early videos were kind of driven by using those different formats swf real media quick time format i i remember in sort of 2002 tristan going on a quest to find something that could play the video files that were on the wing commander three discs that he had and found nothing it was like no one will ever see those things again all that mark hamill footage mark hamill and the porn stars and we couldn't find any... Maybe something has been invented since then. It's not something I've put a lot of energy into doing. But that was how it was. You had, If you're putting video in your game, fine. You have to come up with a way to put video in a game. Um, but then that links through... I mean, I, I remember it being out of this world when games had music that was real music on them. Like it wasn't just a MIDI file that the computer was somehow playing. Now, I remember a time where I considered whether the economy of downloading MIDI files was actually worth listening to them over MP3s. Because you could get a MIDI in a you know, few minutes. Your MP3, like we had talked about, would take, in those days, uh, half an hour, an hour, depending on how long your song was. So yeah, uh, there, was, there, was a, there were a lot of excited people who were downloading MIDIs and then dubbing them onto CDs if they knew how, or even worse, dubbing them onto cassettes. Oh, that's how I started. When, when first downloading music from Napster, I would play them in the car by uh, getting a tape deck connected to the headphone jack of the PC into the mm-hmm. microphone in on the, the tape deck, press record on the tape and start playing the tracks on the, the PC. Yep. Because th- there were no CD burners. In the early day before the CD burners, I did it the opposite way. I got the uh, the uh, the cassette jack. You know, the, there would be the microphone line leading into the tape. Yeah. And I would plug that into the line out on the computer and 
record from the computer to a tape so I could play the tape in my car. No, that's what I mean I was doing. Oh, I thought you meant the other way around. No. Sorry. But yeah, because that's how you get music off the computer. There were no CD burners. I remember it being a revolution when you could put a CD in a computer and the computer knew what the hell it was. And they, God, do you remember, not the not on the radio, but disc jockeys for putting CDs into CD drives? No. This was it, when they first started coming along. Before, before they were just CD, you know, they were CD-ROMs. It was a very special thing, and they were very magical and very special. And, and the, theory, the, the, the early drives didn't have, like, a slot-loading drive like they do now or like your stereo did for some reason. You had to put the CD in a big plastic disc jockey, which was sort of, it made it into a big, like a, it looked like a floppy disk, but it, you made it with your CD. And then okay. that would slot into the drive. I never handled one of those, but the only way that I can actually connect with that is the Aerosmith video for Amazing. Right. It might have been on there then. <laughs> you know, uh, the one where Jeremy, what's his name, goes and uses the VR helmet to hook up with a. Um... Oh, what's her name? Clueless. Uh, oh, I'm looking at a picture of her now. Like a. Uh... Alyssa Silverstone. That's it. I'm. I'm just. I've brought up the video of this song on YouTube now. So I'm. I'm. There. That's it. That is precisely it. Yes. Score one for Jason. And damn, she was hot. Yeah, she was. Uh, later in the video, when they're making out, and she is uh, straddling him while they're driving the motorcycle. That has fueled a few fires at late at night for Jason. My God. So I just skipped to the end. I've seen this video before, of course. How yeah. do we delete that last part so that my wife can't hear it? I'll delete that part. Don't worry. <laughs> Does she listen to the show? She doesn't no. listen to the show. I'm not even sure she understands that it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't know what you're down there doing right now. <laughs> she knows that the, there is a thing that is produced that's a podcast, but she doesn't know how she would get it. Right. Awesome. That's I made me. a mistake of posting a G Plus Hangout of the Atomic Trivia War recording. All right. And she found that. She thought that that was pretty funny. On there, easy because they just play. There's no, you oh, don't yeah. have to download it to anything. Right. You just click it. Yeah. So much easier to access all this rich content these days. See, don't, I, I really think people don't appreciate this. I am so with Louis C.K. on all of these things. They just got to, God, the idea, I just clicked on it and downloaded it. That, that wasn't always possible. You know, I, I used to have to. You, you, when we were making web pages, you'd worry about using graphics because that was the big thing. Don't use graphics. Don't use lots of graphics because if you use lots <laughs> of graphics, your web page will take too long to download and people will just leave it straight away. I think I, well, there was there wasn't a big issue at one time too about copyrighted the graphics, not not the actual graphics that you were using, but the format. Am I allowed to use a GIF? Oh yeah, I never paid any attention to that. No, not a whole lot of people did, which is why that format became kind of universal. But um, there were also questions about like whether certain browsers could parse SVGs and that sort of thing. Yeah. Things. That, oh, the the fact that it it now is so oh it's so much easier now, and it's still not right. I've I've usually you'll know when I'm doing some website building because you'll see me tweet things like 
I'd really appreciate it if everybody would just use Chrome. Thank you. Because it's still not perfect. You can make your website look great in Chrome. And then you load it in Firefox and it looks like ass. Yeah. And then you get that working. And then it stops working in IE. Or maybe it never worked in IE. And it, it's, it's a nightmare. But it's so much better than it used to be. I'm so happy to see people becoming Chrome converts. Because I was using Firefox up until last year. I will not go back to Firefox now. I, just, I still have to use Firefox at work, and it's painful going back and forth between work and home. I, I, I don't blame you. I stopped using it a long time ago. And to be fair, though, the, the only reason I actually care what people use is to make my life as a web designer easier. I, I just I, If they all work the same, I wouldn't care, to be honest. But it's the fact that they are, they're all different, and the same line of code will produce different results in different browsers drives me up the wall. Did did we start this podcast tonight talking about how Internet Explorer is being advertised during the Olympics? Did we say that already? We haven't. You and I have talked about it, and I said something on Google Plus sarcastically last night, but we haven't okay. talked about it on this show. It, it's, it all blends together. I can't remember what we say on the air and what we don't. But um, yeah, it's pretty funny watching Microsoft try to bounce back into the browser market. And I, I sit there thinking, but why? Why why do you care Microsoft? If I use your browser, what could that what does that do for you? I think it's really market consciousness. It's about getting not necessarily a money-making product in front of you, but their logo and their name at least because they've lost a lot of that kind of um brand loyalty in the last little while here. I uh, yeah, I I I see that. I just don't know what their advert is either trying to show me or make me want to do. Uh, is it supposed to make, uh, you know, is it talking to me as a Mac user? I should just dump this thing and get Internet Explorer? I'm not really sure who they're talking to yet, what their audience is, who they're trying to convince to switch. Because the people who are going to use Internet Explorer are the ones who don't know how to switch anyway. Exactly. And uh, it, it, it's just, the advert goes no way to actually saying why I should use it. Like, why is it better than what I'm using? Or what does it do that is in some way unique or special? I have actually got it and looked at it, and it's a web browser, and it functions, and it shows web pages. But it's not as functional as Chrome, so I'm not going to use it. Plus, it, of course, there isn't a Mac version. Uh, people will forget when the Mac first started going on the Internet, it did ship with the Mac version of Internet Explorer, which I think was Internet Explorer 5.5. Or maybe that was the last version that they had for the Mac. But there was an Internet Explorer for the Mac for a long time that came pre-installed. Uh, yeah, uh, the eMac, I think, that I used to have years ago at work still used. IE6, I think it was upgraded to before I ditched that little piece of crap. That's so mean, because the eMac is, was an educational thing, and the fact that work had it is... Well, they is, were... They were, I don't want to say disposable, because they were certainly expensive for what the hardware was, but they were somewhat inexpensive, but very, very reliable word processors. Yeah, I understand what you mean. If you weren't doing graphic design, or if you weren't in a, you know, a suite that was video processing or image processing or anything like that, you could stick somebody in front of Word on one of those, and it would, it would just do what it was supposed to. There are some machines. 
Um, where are we on the internet? There's so much more I want to talk about. Well, there, yeah, there is a lot, but uh, I don't know where we go from here unless we skip up to all the cool stuff that's happening right now. Okay. Which I feel like is another show. Like, take it or, take it or leave it. I, I suppose so, a little bit. What, what actually, because you and I don't often talk about sort of tech a lot. Because, no. I mean, like you said, you've only just got a cell phone. Or a, it, a well, smartphone, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. with... With a baby in the house, it's very difficult to spend any kind of money to test out anything that's new or relevant. And I've never really been an early adopter anyway, so talking tech with me is like talking tech with, you know, a 70-year-old. So what are the things that you think have impacted your life the most then in, in so, since the last 10 years? Um, just in, instantaneous you know, inf- information, anything that's on your your lap while you're watching TV, because that's how it is these days. It really is. It's, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not watching TV anymore. I'm watching TV, surfing the web, uh, you know, downloading something, listening to music or getting music somehow. You know, it's it's very much about multitasking, and it's kind of, in, in some ways, burning me out. Do you think that's something that people will just get used to from yes. now on? Because I don't think that people who are just slightly younger than me have a problem with that information overload. I think that you you do very much adapt to the pace of information that you had when you were a kid. Yeah, I, I, I think so. You get rooted in. And if you're just constantly being bombarded with information when you're a kid, you're going to be able to withstand it when you're older. That makes sense. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about even more information coming to me in different ways, though. Well, what what sort of thing? Have you been keeping up with all of Google's projects? Yes, I have indeed. Very Project much so. Glass. That excites me so much. Project Glass gives me a great big hard on. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there will be a day where you don't have to whip your phone out anymore. You're going to walk down the street and over the restaurant that you're looking at, it's going to show what it, what the reviews are or what's on the menu. You're You're going to wonder to yourself how to get to... I don't know, uh, the movie theater from where you are, and bing, it's going to pop up. Oh, that's probably not the best choice of words. Ding, it's going to pop up. You know, Google's going to tell you, it's going to just overlay on your uh, on your glasses. Here's how you go. This is the route. Take a left. I, I think it's incredible. I think part of me sees it and thinks it's actually rather clunky for now. Um, probably. I, I think the next step, or maybe not the next one, but not too many steps down the road, is that's in your brain. I don't think so. And here's why. Once you have something implanted, you can't upgrade it, which means that they can't sell you a new one every year. There is that, but I could see that being worked around. I Um, don't know. I maybe see some sort of port being installed. Yeah. You can plug into whatever, but... I think that that's really, really far down the road. I think that that's the kind of rank futurism that people always think is going to happen much quick, much more quickly than it actually does. I, I don't know. I, it's an area that I, I see a lot of things coming on, and we've, we've passed a couple of milestones. You know, in, in, Gosh, the other night I watched a man with no legs running the Olympics. You know? It, you mean she in the Olympics? You mean what? Nothing. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, he, he ran in the Olympics, and he's got no legs. And 
now what he's been given as a replacement are deemed to be as good as legs. So it's not going to be that long before what's deemed as it was given as a replacement is deemed better than legs. I think that that level of body morphism is a long way off still. That that's the kind of thing that they've been talking about and predicting would happen by the year 2000, you know, ever since the 1940s and 50s. It just feels a lot closer to me. And I I think Google Glass while I th- that excites me so much, but I think it's just the first step. I mean, it's I, I, a transitional I, oh, yeah, step. Yeah, it's right. we're looking at it's wearable technology. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a step. But the question is how long it will last. And if you look at cell phones, how quickly they have modified from Zach Morris devices to smartphones, um, they they haven't really they haven't changed that much in the form that they take, but they have changed that much in the capacity that they have to do. That's true. You know, the the form is still there. You're still holding it in your hand, just like you were holding a rotary phone receiver in your hand <clears throat> eight, 60 years ago. I, I think we just, it's its a good design. I, I think that's the thing with that one, that to change that requires a major revolution, which is what Google Glass uh, or Project Glass represents. It, it needs to be a major, major change in order to stick and, and move things on. And, and sort of, ha- you know, the thing with the design as it currently is, you have everything in a box in your hand, and that's a very convenient way to do things. I, I think... You know, there's arguably things like Bluetooth headsets and that sort of thing, but they've never really become commonplace because it's a separate thing. It's an additional thing. Whereas... And there are other technologies, too, that have been tried that never took off, too, like VR headsets. Those yeah. were going to be the next big thing. Oh, that, weren't they just... That was going to revolutionize the internet, but it never happened. It, it never happened in any way because at the end of the day, you looked to twat when you were using it. That was the thing no one really... It... No one who made it said that, but everyone who used it said that, right? But, uh, but augmented reality, it's going to happen somehow, I think. I, I don't think that it's going to be the next VR problem. No, I, I, I think it could definitely work out in some way, shape, or form, and having something that is just naturally already in your line of vision is, is probably the best way of doing it. There are some phone apps and tablet apps that try to do stuff now, and I, I've I've seen it work, but I've never seen it work flawlessly and perfectly and in a way I would like to regularly use. But, you know, web video used to be like that. That's... It would take a little bit more thinking than your average episode of Remastered, but we should talk about all those things that old movies predicted would happen or old cartoon shows or old TV shows predicted would happen in the near future. All the technology that they dreamed up that they thought was just going to kind of be the next general step and that everybody would accept it. We, we have a nice sort of measure for that. We, have you ever heard us talk about a program called Tomorrow's World? Yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of a, it used to be, it was the showcase for the new modern technology in the 80s on television. And it'd be on sort of twice a week and you'd, you'd see all this incredible stuff. And, and there were so many... Th- things what it's remembered for most fondly now is how rarely anything that they showed actually became something that you remember or bought um i i remember there being one thing that actually made its way into our house and it was a it was a particularly awful technology for programming your vcr uh using barcodes and a barcode reader on your video remote did that ever make its way to america 
I don't think so. No, it was it was shit. Quite frankly, you got a, so you got your VCR, and the pro. Again, I'll explain this to the kids. Right, you couldn't just tell it what show you wanted to record, and it would do it. You had to say record channel three and start at this time and finish at this time. And maybe if you had spent a lot of money on your VCR, you could program maybe eight days in advance. <laughs> You'll remember this. <laughs> so, I mean, in particular, that that you realize just how painful that was sort of the week before we went on holiday. And my dad would spend the day before trying to program a selection of TV shows that they wanted to record while we were away. The and, funniest thing, though, was always having to worry about which ones you would record because the tapes, even if you did like an SP speed, would only hold maybe four or five of your shows. Yeah, it was terrible, but it was all we had. Um, and so they came up with this idea that rather than sit moving the buttons on the front of the machine, what you should do is you should have a book of barcodes and you would scan them and each one would represent... So you'd have a page that was like hours of the day and so you'd scan in seven o'clock and then you'd have a page that was minutes so you'd go to seven then 30 and scan in 30 and you'd eventually build up this program on your handset and point at the remote control at the VCR and press send and it would program the video in theory. Absolutely horrific technology. And it even got to the point where the, like, the TV guide or the Radio Times were, was publishing under each show it listed the barcode that you could scan in and program your video to record. Awful. Absolutely awful. I think that was Panasonic that invented that. God, you kids. You, you don't know. And even in those days, I remember, you know, times when I have to go to bed before a tv show was on or before it finished whatever and it would be taped and my dad telling me you don't know how lucky you are when i was your age we just had to miss what was on you couldn't <laughs> video it you don't know you're born and now just this idea that i can just press the r button on my remote and it goes and it doesn't just start recording from when i pressed it if i've been watching that show it will just record all of that show Honestly, it's obscene. And we, do you know what? We still haven't come up with a new word for it yet. We still say re videoing it. Yeah. Well, it is still video. It is. We, we also say tape it a lot. Yeah, there is that problem. Record, I guess that technically works. It does. It doesn't feel right, though. No, it doesn't. So we still tape stuff. Uh, even though there's nothing of tape in this house. I think a hard drive might be the closest. I know Alison has some cassettes downstairs. Unbelievable does she stuff. Really? She does. Just I could probably find some if I scrounged around. You know, they haven't actually made cassettes for a long time. I don't think. No, I don't. They haven't at all. I, mean, I I do remember the. It was big news the day that the last VHS tape rolled off the line. When was that? That must be a few years ago now. It it was. Maybe two years ago. Uh, we can look it up. It's possible. We've got the internet now, of course. December 31st, 2008. Right. Oh, not that long ago, but still. The last movie released on VHS was... Here's some good trivia. Can you guess? No. The last major movie release 
on VHS was History of Violence. Really? 2006. Right. History of Violence. I didn't like that film. I still have only ever seen clips. I, I don't like it. I can't say you should watch it. Cause I, I like, like Ed it. Harris. Yeah. Oh, is it an Ed Harris film? Is it? Doesn't it also have Viggo Mortensen? This is what we call a, a tangent. Viggo Mortensen's the good guy. Yeah. Ed Harris is the bad guy, yeah. ostensibly. It is that one. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like that one. Yeah. But I, I'm notorious for liking or not liking good films, so I'll shut up. Let's go back to the internet. Uh, I feel like I don't know. Without broaching any more major subjects, I, I think we sort of run our course on the internet. It is a good stopping point. We've been talking for a very long time. It's essentially, we can sum it by saying if you were sort of born after 1990, all this really cool shit that you've got, we didn't have any of it. You take it for granted, you bitches. We didn't, none of it. N none of it. It's, everything is so much cooler now. It's just so much cooler. The other night, when we, when, when we won all those gold medals, I, I don't know if I've mentioned that we won a lot. Um, we, Wait, we, what, what color were they? They were gold. Oh, They okay. were gold medals. But mm -hmm. we were actually out shopping at Asda at the time when it was happening. But we were watching the Olympics live on a smartphone in our shopping trolley as it happened. Just get your head around the fact that we were watching the Olympics live while shopping in the supermarket. That just blows my mind. And yet, well, I remember the day it was special that we got our second television in the house. So, stuff's so much cooler now. Oh, this is the worst. <laughs> oh, God. What a xenophobic, pro-America, jingoistic piece of crap article this is. But Sorry, when you said metal counts, I had to look and see if it had changed at all. Which is stupid, because of course... It, you know they're they're over for the day, but um, Yahoo Sports has an article set called "United States Leads China in Quote Real Metal Count." <laughs> <laughs> oh, so apparently dear. there's some sports that don't count because they suck. Yeah, the ones you didn't want to win anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> China isn't ahead. The United States is. Factor out all. <laughs> When you factor out all the judging nonsense in gymnastics, diving, trampoline, and judo, <laughs> Team USA is the decisive leader. <laughs> yeah, when, when you remove people applying the rules. <laughs> I'm taking my ball and going home, guys. That's amazing. <laughs> Are we still only eight behind you, though, in the, the gold medal count? Is that oh, they, haven't, they haven't changed since we were talking earlier. Yeah, yeah you're... Uh, China, 34 golds. USA, 20 golds. Great Britain, 22. It's not on this little chart. You're, you're on 28 golds, aren't you? Uh, 30. 30, yeah. 30. You're just the eight behind. What if we beat you? What if I we beat would you? salute you. Yeah, we have a really terrible ego about that sort of thing. I'm not sure if you've noticed that yet. We have. We have noticed. What was it? Yeah, we, 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 we saw something about it, I think. Some sort of article somewhere. But, yeah, what if we beat you? What would we moan about for the rest of the year here? We'd, we'd 
have to have lots of news articles following the Olympics saying oh, it turns out we're actually quite good at sport. Who Don't knew? worry, big guy. You can still whine and complain about the rain. Now, I, I do feel bad that it's not been a hot Olympics for people. <laughs> it, it's not been a, well, at least I'm in sunny, hot London. Even that, you know, because if you fail, if, if you, you imagine you're at the Sydney Olympics and you do something rubbish, like you, you do a false start and you're disqualified before you even run your race or something like that. At least you're on holiday in Sydney or, or Barcelona or Athens or other exotic places where the Olympics have been. Rio next time. That's still a good holiday, isn't it? Now you're just stuck in shitty London. Oh, it's a bit. I would love to visit London. There's so much culture there. You don't understand that we have a deficit of culture in the United States. I mean, sure, we have, you know, like old missions and I don't know, but state buildings and that sort of thing. But we don't have anything old. We don't have anything with history and richness to it. I suppose we have got lots of that. Lots of old stuff. And I, I do think the new stuff looks quite impressive as well. I'm being really it's pleased with it It's not just the age. You have all the stories. We don't have the stories. Yeah, we have stories too. That, that's true. Lots of stories and old when we things. Tell, when we tell tall tales, they're like, listen to this tall tale about Paul Bunyan and his giant blue ox babe that we totally made up at some point. Ha ha ha. And you're like, oh yeah? Our stories are real, bitch. Yeah. Hell yeah. I can't think of any now. But yeah, they are. Yeah, our king really cut off his own queen's head. It happened right there, in that tower. He did. And we've, we've still got the tower and everything. It's, it's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> Clearly not enough to remember much. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's cool when your dog's running along a wall that was built by some guy literally 2,000 years ago. And you just know, <laughs> when you built that and you were having a bad day, you had no idea that my dog was going to have a wee on it one day. Lisa and I were talking about Hadrian's Wall the other day, and she argued with me that, no, that can't possibly still be there. It possibly is still there. She I... said, why do they keep it there? Why don't, they, why don't they build something? Right, to be clear, it's not still in its fully functioning barrier form. <laughs> right? It's, it's kind of ruins. So, you know, and w there are bits where, like, the motorway goes through and stuff like that. You can get to Scotland, and we, let, we even let them out now. So they, they can come down here and everything. Um, yeah, in its, when it was built, it was enormous. Not, not so much anymore. You get bits where there's a few piles of bricks and a sign from the National Trust going, this was Hadrian's Wall. Oh, right, is it? And then there's other bits where it's far more impressive and bits where there are museums and stuff like that. I'll, do you know what? I'll share some photos with you on Google Plus and you can show her. We need to. Yeah. Oh, we need photos of your house too. She she's fascinated with uh with the idea that your house is older than, you know, 20 years. Right. I'll take I'll do some uh, I'll I'll send you some pictures of the local area and stuff. That works. Yeah. Cool. Are we at the end of the show now? Yeah, we should be. Hour and 40 we're approaching. End. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was that was good actually. We stayed on topic for almost the entire time, Rich. I know. This has to be a record of some sort. I I think so. If we were on TV, there'd be a big statistic graphic that showed you how long we talked on topic, and this would be two a minutes one. forty-seven seconds. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like those those football who had possession for what percentage of the game and that. Someone's counting all the time. Oh, that away. would be brilliant. I wish that we could hire interns to sit and do that. Yeah. Little yeah. stopwatch, just switch it off when we're off topic and go. If you want to help fund our hiring of interns to put graphics on the screen while we're recording, you can donate a dollar at simplysyndicated.com by clicking on the big donate button. We we desperately need donations at the moment. A lot of people have come to the end of their donation uh, period with us, and we thank you very much for that. It's awesome that people have been able to help us out, but we need more people to help us out. Really? Uh, Disclaimer, if you donate, we won't really hire interns to do that. No, we don't pay interns. So you can turn up and do it for free if you like. Uh, so yeah, there's a page on the website that says donate, and we need anything you can help us out with. That's awesome. Failing that, you know, we do have a shop where we sell the content that we make, which is kind of our main business. So have a look at that. Go and listen yeah. to Paddy's TV Surprise, because he's got a show coming back. So if you've never heard me talk about Paddy, Go and listen to his show, because he's going to have a new show very soon. And you want to—that be... is a lot of fun to listen to. He is indeed. He's one crazy guy, to say the least. I don't say that very often. That's such a—that's such a kids' TV thing to say. He's such a crazy guy. He's mental, though. Seriously, I think he's broken. I think he's broken. <laughs> he lives in Canada. Make of this what you will. Means very polite. I don't know. So, there's that. What else do we have? Come on our forums and chat to us. Talk about this show with other people who heard this show as well at simplysyndicated.com slash forums. Also, we have a Facebook page. You might want to have a look at. There's links to that on our main site at simplysyndicated.com. And follow us on Twitter as well. Again, there are buttons for that on the page. You'll find those there. I think that's everything for now, isn't it? That's a... Uh, yeah, that's, that's well... Oh, and we check out our, our other shows, Atomic Trivia yeah. War 9000 with Jason. The most there we go. We awesome, worked hard on that one. Yeah, the most awesome trivia show on the internet. I love that show. Thank you. And Thank you. Uh, Take It or Leave It, which we do live every Sunday. I have some do-ass-do-tells to edit as well. They're being ever so polite as to not remind me that I have that to do. Uh, but I have that to do, so look out for those coming in. I think there's also a crime against food. It's not that, is it? It's crimes against a crimes against food episode. I think has recently been released. I think. I mean, I'm just checking. I'm waiting for the website to. Load. We're doing the same things at the same time. Yeah, That's, July twenty fourth. Yeah. Oh, there has been one re- fairly recently. For for those about to rock has come out recently. Oh, they're they're like clockwork. Those guys. It's Tony of... Pucci's uh, uh, Pollyanna Cowgirl Records podcast. If you just want some good music, yeah. Oh, does he have a Kickstarter thing going on at the moment? We he should does. Plug. Yeah, let's plug that. Um, if you go to Kickstarter.com, you can help support some T-shirts that Tony's making. Uh, so far, not a whole lot of backers, but you could be the deciding one. He, he's making black T-shirts. They've got the Pollyanna Cowgirl Record podcast logo right on them. Uh, silk screened the $15 each. It includes shipping. That's like nothing. You can't even go to Target and get a shirt for $15. Can you not? I've never well, been maybe. to Target. I'll take your maybe word for Maybe on a really it. good sale. I don't know. But right. <laughs> $15, you get your own t-shirt. Uh, $25, a 
t-shirt, and a CD. There's other stuff there. Just go right to uh, kickstarter.com, search for Pollyanna Cowgirl Records Podcast. You'll get there. Awesome. That really is everything, then. Yes. We're good. Okay. Bye-bye, everyone. See ya. Thank you.